Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Well, folks, I survived. I made it to the top of the infamous Half Dome of Yosemite and lived to tell the tale. I did not see or hear Sasquatch, but I did narrowly miss a black bear and I encountered a mother coyote on the trail. All in all, it was a great trip, but I'm happy to be back in the studio. Anxious to get this awesome episode out to you all. So, let's quit messing around and get to these scary stories. Our first call of the evening is a rather strange one. It seems to deal with an encounter that has seldom been explored on Monsters Among Us. I won't go into any further details as to not spoil the surprise, but rest assured, we'll discuss after the call. This is Alex's story. How's it going? My name's Alex. Um, I'm calling from Redondo Beach. I called about a year ago about uh, with a couple of stories about uh, shadows, and um, I just wanted to tell you about another experience I had, maybe about a couple of months ago. It happened on a weekend. Um, my girlfriend's niece was staying over, and uh, I agreed to sleep on the couch. And she, my, my cousin's niece was going to sleep with my girlfriend in the vet. So, um, it's about, I don't know, maybe one, two o'clock in the morning and I just randomly wake up and I look to the, to to my TV and I see this animal shaped figure, like the outline of this animal shaped figure just running through my living room. Um, and it was headless too, which was weird. So I grabbed anything, I grabbed a pillow that I had and I threw it at it and then it just disappeared and vanished. Um, I was having trouble sleeping all night after that. And then my girlfriend randomly appears. And uh, the, the exact moment she decided to walk into the living room, I had the lights on. Just, I had the lights on. So the exact moment that she decided to walk into the living room, uh, the lights started flickering all weird. And they just shut off. 
and me and my girlfriend were freaked out wondering what the, what, what the hell that was and um yeah uh, I went back to the room with her slept on the floor while my niece and my girlfriend were sleeping in the bed and like I, I still couldn't fall asleep like there was this presence that just wouldn't allow me to sleep every time I closed my eyes I felt like something was scratching something it was just a bad night and to make this even weirder is that my niece well my niece my girlfriend's niece her father would always mention that my niece would walk around the house and randomly stop and point to corners or parts of the house where nothing was there and say monster so that just makes it even more suspicious does my niece have a ghost or some type of entity following her I don't know well, that's my scary story. Great podcast. Um, keep it up, and uh, thanks. Bye. Thank you, Alex. I must admit, this one had me a bit perplexed. The description you gave could have been interpreted many different ways, including, but not limited to, a full-body apparition, minus the head. Perhaps some sort of dogman-type creature, or even possibly an entity from beyond our dimension. Leaning on wild speculation, it's not hard to imagine that this creature somehow slipped into our dimension from another. I realize this suggestion is fringe at best, but this type of thing has happened before. If you recall in past episodes, several witnesses have detailed run-ins with entities missing limbs and even heads. In addition, several animal-like creatures have been reported all over the country, from the deer-like Wendigo of the Northwest and the werewolf-type creatures of the Midwest to the skinwalkers of the deserts in America's Southwest. One thing is for certain, these creatures, as creepy as they may be, are deeply rooted in American folklore. The last thing I will say is this. I do not know what this creature was, but I do know a pillow is probably not going to do much to deter it. Thanks again, Alex, for sharing. I really enjoyed this call. From the beaches of California to the skies over Texas, the following is Haley's Encounter. Hi, Derek. This is Haley. I had called um, about a UFO sighting, I think, in season two. Um, it was when I was a kid, um, but I wanted to call about another UFO sighting I had um, last summer. Um, I live in Texas. I was in, um, driving through Austin. Um, and I've, I had lived in Austin at that point for a little while, and I know the skyline pretty well. Um, I was an astronomy major at the time, so I know stars and um, what is an actual astrological object and what isn't, um, but I was driving across the bridge and I looked over and I saw this really bright orb, I guess, um, and it looked like it was a star. And for a split second, I thought it was Venus, which makes sense, um, Venus or Jupiter or uh, some, some planet. But uh, I 
I was in the passenger seat, so I was watching it, and it didn't seem like it was moving, and we passed through uh, an area where the trees blocked the sky um, where the object was, and as soon as we got past the trees, the the, the light was gone, um, which really uh, freaked me out, actually, because it up until that point, the light didn't show that it was moving. Um, so I thought it was really interesting, and it took me a while to call you about it, but uh, yeah, just a quick little UFO, I guess. Um, I have more stories, so I will hopefully be calling later. Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Thank you, Haley. I'm going to skip the paranormal explanations for this sighting, mostly because we've heard them all. What I will go into are a few logical explanations that popped in my head while listening to your experience. The first being the one Haley mentioned in her description. Is it possible she simply saw Venus in the night sky? If you recall back to the first season, I detail a story where a sighting of Venus fooled me for a brief moment. I found it impossible that a planet could light up the sky the way the object I saw did. But after further investigation, it was confirmed to simply be the planet Venus. Since Haley felt confident in writing off this explanation, I'll move on to my next. Is it possible that she witnessed a distant helicopter with a searchlight? This would explain the hovering and its disappearance. But probably an even more likely culprit would be a simple drone. It's not hard to imagine someone pulling off the side of the road to fly the recreational drone, complete with light kit and the stationary hover that allows the craft to stay remarkably still. Do I think Haley simply witnessed a planet, helicopter, or drone? No. But I can't help but think that these were logical explanations. Of course, deep down, I certainly hope what she witnessed that evening was not of this world. Thank you again, Haley, for sharing your experience. Our next caller seems to have taken the advice I've given so many others before her. This is Monica's call. Hello, my name is Monica. Um... Um, I'm originally from California, but I'm a, I'm a dependent of a military member in the service, so I move around a lot. Um, so as you know that we, us military members and families, we live in different homes all over the state, wherever they put us, even some overseas. And this is one of two stories. This happened in a particular home. We were in Washington State <clears throat> over by the joint base Fort Lewis and we lived on the outskirts kind of in the uh, Roy area and um, I know I well I don't know the other military members but myself I always like to kind of ask a little bit of the questions around the neighborhood because I'm not a big person on living in a home where there's too much history back there and as far as you know I'm I, I believe in this stuff but at the same time I really don't want to encounter it. Um, with that being said, this happened towards the last year before we had to move again. And I've always noticed 
in this particular house, it was very big, and me, me and another, me and another family lived in this one home. It, it was five bedrooms, three living rooms. It was it was really big, and we had children, so um, it was perfect for us. <clears throat> and I always felt in this particular home that there was something off. I didn't like to be alone in there. I didn't like to walk upstairs by myself with the lights on behind me. I used to always make sure my lab sat down, waited at the bottom of the stairs until I reached the top. That's how paranoid I was. And on this particular one, I was going to college classes as a parent, so I did my homework late at night in my bedroom or on the kitchen table with my dog next to me. And one of the nights, me and my husband were in a room sitting on our bed, and our door faced forward from us and it was a it was a master bedroom and it was a French door so it opens both ways one of the doorknobs moved the other one did not because you were only able to open the door with one doorknob twisting um, going back and forth and <clears throat> when we were studying it was quiet everyone was asleep the children were asleep our roommates that lived downstairs in the other master bedroom were asleep and I was up for doing my homework and my husband was just staying up as support I only had a couple more hours left before I was going to turn in. And this particular night, um, my Labrador happened to just look up, ears perked. Um, I thought maybe he heard something outside. I personally didn't think anything of it, neither did my husband. And then within a few minutes later, there our doorknob jiggled like someone was trying to come in. Just a random jiggle. It stopped. We looked at each other, and then it did it again. We thought that maybe one of our toddlers had gotten out of the crib, opened up the door, tried to come in our door. But normally, if that was to ever happen, of course, they would make themselves known because they're scared of the dark. We opened, or I opened the door. It was nothing. There was nobody there. Down the hall was dark to the bedrooms where both the children were at, dark. And we just looked at each other. I was probably so scared, my heart was about to jump out of my chest. My dog was on alert. He didn't move. He just simply stood at a position where he was alert enough to look in one direction, and that was it. He wasn't paying any nonsense to what me and my husband were discussing, us kind of looking at each other in complete shock. From that night on, we did a little bit more research on the house. Come to find out, an older couple lived there a couple of years back and their husband actually died of natural causes in our particular bedroom not the downstairs master bedroom or the other two bedrooms our master bedroom itself so i think that had to do with what i might have been feeling i didn't look anything into it anymore personally i didn't want to know any information other than that I didn't want to find out anything further than that. I had one less than a year left in that house, and I was already scared. I felt that if I found out any more information about the house, it was only going to scare me further. Thank you, Monica, and especially thank you for taking the time to do some research. As I've always said to so many in the past, a quick search into the background of your property or house can go a long way to help you pin down the activity that you're experiencing. In your case, your investigation revealed a possible explanation for the strange occurrences taking place. Of course, this is not proof of a haunting, but it certainly lends credence to the anecdotal evidence that you've submitted. As for my opinion on the actual sighting, 
It seems to me that the activity you experienced was nothing more than residual. Perhaps the old man that lived there previously returned from work every day and opened those doors, and now his energy continues to do so. I suppose crazier things have happened. Thank you again for calling in and for taking the time to do some research. Up next is another call that focuses on strange sounds heard in the forest at night. In this call, a story from Season 3, Episode 12 is mentioned. A story about a young man who was beckoned from his home by an alluring voice from just beyond the darkness. This is Meg's story. Hi, Derek. My name is Meg, and I'm calling from rural Oregon, and I love your show. It's great. Um, and there's a lot of stuff I love about it. <laughs> I especially love when you play the old news clips of things. I think it's great. But I was calling because I was listening recently, a little while ago, to a story, um, and I don't remember the exact day, but it was about a guy who was talking about how somebody was calling to him from his window. It sounded like a girl. I think he was a teenager at the time, and he was sort of led out of his house and kind of into the woods. Um, but he didn't end up following, but it was a weird experience. So I had a sort of similar weird experience that I wanted to share um, because I thought it was sort of similar. But so to make a long story short, we live in in rural Oregon. We live on a a 100-acre Christmas tree farm, and then there's an additional 135 timber acreage, acres of timber land sort of beyond the... the, um, Christmas tree field. So, and our nearest neighbor is about a quarter of a mile, and the road is about a quarter of a mile. So, we're pretty surrounded by like Christmas trees and then, you know, timber acreage. So, one day I was with my husband and our boys who are pretty young, and we were kind of hiking in the timber acreage a little bit. Um, and there's a section of the timber acreage that's older, the, the trees are older, and there's like a huge holly tree, the biggest one I've ever seen, I think. Um, in this area, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's an interesting area. It has a very interesting sort of energy, Um, and I should probably admit that I'm kind of a believer in this stuff, so um, it just, it's an interesting place, and I sort of was thinking kind of the whole idea of, like, you know, the fae and sort of, like, these nature spirits and kind of, like, gosh, this is like an interesting place, and I, I wish there was a way to know for sure, kind of, you know, sort of this thought crossed my mind where we were hiking and kind of near this huge holly tree. So to make a long story short, we come home, you know, we go to bed, and at about, I don't know, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, it was the middle of the night, and I woke up out of a dead sleep, and my husband was lying in bed next to me, and he also woke up, and we heard what sounded like a little girl sounded like a little girl kind of like making like a sing-song noise like you know kids when they play they make sort of like sing-songy noise and um so we kind of heard her walking along the side of the house is what it sounded like this little sing-songy child voice kind of coming closer closer to our window um getting closer and closer super weird because again i have to you know i have to reiterate we're a quarter mile from the road there's nothing but Christmas trees around us. There are no, like, small girl children. None of our neighbors have small girl children, and we have two boys. So it was very strange. So this 
sing-songy like voice gets closer and closer to our window and when it gets it sounds like it's just outside our window it sort of stops and then it was like this scream this noise this she like it screamed and it was a very weird like sound that didn't sound human when it kind of morphed into this scream and I was not entirely sure you know that I was awake and that was like really happening so I'm like kind of sitting there stunned and I hear my husband say like what the hell was that I was like I don't know but he heard it too it wasn't just me Um, needless to say I didn't get up and look out the window and neither did he because it was a really creepy experience Um, and we haven't really had anything like that happen since but I, I sort of wonder if I in some strange way kind of asked for it a little bit, like having, you know, this sort of like wondering while we were on this hike in this old part of the woods, kind of like, gosh, I wish there was some way to know, you know, if this stuff is real. So just a weird experience. I don't have a good explanation. Um, We do have coyotes here. Uh, I don't think it was a coyote. It did not sound like a coyote because it was like this sing-songy kind of like child's voice. It was really weird. Um, but I would be really interested to hear your take on it because I really appreciate how you sort of break things down from a very rational explanation. Point being, that's kind of the end of my story. Um, in terms of, like, more information, this happened. It was spring, and it was, like, last year, two years ago. Um, so that's kind of the, the long and the short of it. Uh, so anyway, just wanted to share my story. Thank you so much. I love the podcast. It's so great. Um, and I will call again in the future. Um, thank you. Okay, bye. Thank you, Meg. The first and obvious thing I will point out is that strange yet natural sounds are normal in the forest. Screeching, howling, and barking are nothing new and typically nothing to be afraid of. But the description of a little girl singing is much, much harder to dismiss. I will leave you with the same advice I leave most that encounter a strange sound in the woods. Search for animal sounds from your area on YouTube and see if there's anything on there that might match up. Thank you again for sharing your story. Before I cut out of here, I want to revisit the local monster segment that I've been neglecting for the past few weeks. I found the following clip by accident, but as soon as I heard it, I knew I had to play it. This clip comes to us via WPRI Channel 12 News out of Providence, Rhode Island, and was featured back in 2007. Enjoy. This has been a summer of frightening animals in Rhode Island, a piranha in Coventry, an alligator in Lincoln, and now an unknown scary creature in Portsmouth. Whatever it was, was so big and so scary, a Fall River couple thought they were going to die. It's a story you'll see only here on Eyewitness News. The couple spoke exclusively with our Sean Daly. Sean joins us now with their amazing ordeal. We haven't heard of anything quite like this around here before. Imagine swimming mindlessly in the late afternoon sun when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a huge, horrifying creature, roughly 15 feet long, rocks your world. Tuesday afternoon here at Teddy's Beach in Portsmouth. What happened gives new meaning to this danger sign. It's still hard for her, isn't it? Yeah, she she went to a counselor to talk to a counselor this morning. You know, so 
It was low tide and Rachel Carney was out beyond the danger sign, floating on her back, relaxing, when big trouble struck. I turned around, I heard a hissing, a hissing sound. So I stopped, I looked beside me, and all I seen was a face come up with these big teeth. And I just remember the face being like, shaped like a basketball. And the face went in, like kind of sucked in, and then went like squared off. Then had all white, and it kept swimming around me. It rubbed up against my leg. So I, I, I just stopped and I pretended like I wasn't moving. That's when it rubbed up, went down and kept going around me. It rubbed up against I, your leg? Up, up against my leg. It touched you? It touched me. That's how I knew it was scary. Scary? With scales, because I felt the scales and plus I seen the face. So I started swimming away. I yelled, Danny, help me, something's chasing me. Rachel Carney's fiance, Dennis Vasconcelos, had been fishing with a buddy on these rocks. He raced into the water. It's going to get her. I grabbed her by the ass, rear end, and I grabbed her like that, and I whipped her in. We're over her head. I says, just, I says, I whipped her in. I says, Rachel, just swim. Don't turn around no matter what you hear, right? Now, I stood there, and the thing's going like around me and stuff, all right? And I can see how big it is and stuff, and it's gigantic, okay? It has scales on it and stuff. Now, all of a sudden, for me to you away, this big head comes up, honestly. I've never seen nothing like this before in my life. It's like a foot, a basketball. It's like this big, okay? It comes up and it's got these fangs, like my fingers, right? The first, this many in the bottom, and about two or three at the top, plus layers inside, okay? And it's like blackish on the top a little bit, and it's got a couple of scales that you can see and stuff, and you can see the white starting under its neck, and it shoots water out of its nose, right? And out of its mouth, it goes like this to me. It goes, and it spit the water out of me. Now I think it's going to kill me, you know what I mean? The group thinks the creature was attracted to blood from a nasty injury to Joey Malo's leg. Joey was out in the water as he is right now, cleaning his leg. Joey, how much blood was there? I bled for an hour and a half, and it just wouldn't stop. I will not ever go in salt water again. Because I am not scared. I thought it was dead that day, honestly. I didn't think he was going to make it in time to get me. I just thought it was dead. I thought it was a farmer. At first, I thought it was an eel, okay? Because it was when it was rolling first, right? It would roll and you could see the white and stuff. But when it got to chase her, it was going like this. You know what I mean? Like they go a little bit like this, like a hump sort of. It sounds like a, uh, a barracuda, similar, yeah. like that, all right? Uh, Man, I, you're still in the moment right now, two days later. You're still, still in this I'm moment, aren't you? This. I have flipped over this. this I've, I've seen, I went to bed. I've been going to bed with things grabbing me, wrapping around my neck, choking, fighting underground and everything. Still a mystery what the creature was. State environmental agents checked out the scene today and found nothing. So the best guess comes from marine experts we checked with. They figure it may have been some sort of a tropical fish that migrated here with a warm Gulf current, Mother Mother Ocean. We're live, Sean Daly, Eyewitness News. Despite the goofy sound effects and theatrics, it seems that the people genuinely witnessed something that scared them. What that something is, we will probably never know, but at least we have this awesome clip to remember it by. And that does it for this episode of Monsters Among Us. But before I go, get yourself a cryptic crate. 
What's a cryptid crate, you ask? Well, it's the first and only monthly box subscription service created specifically for fans of cryptozoology. If you'd like surprises and cryptid-themed items such as t-shirts, books, movies, collectibles, and more, all at bargain prices, head over to CryptidCrate.com and get yours today. Sign up for the August box is open until July 15th, so don't dilly-dally. Keep the stories coming. I need as many as possible for the Season 3 finale show, and the crazier the better. So if you've been sitting on a story about the time a man in black interrupted your lunch, or a sea monster sunk your boat, now is the time to share. The 24-hour Monsters Among Us hotline is always open and always free. Simply call 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or click on the Report Your Sightings tab on the website, which is monstersamonguspodcast.com. If you have five spare minutes, give Monsters Among Us a quick rate and review. Five stars and a few kind words will go a long way to keep the show rolling. So if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast and review today. A quick thank you to all those that have already taken the time to do so. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.